Welcome to another Uberweb Poetry Foundation podcast, all avant-garde, all the time. I'm your host, Kenneth Goldsmith. And today, we pick up on the second of our two-part feature, The Women of Uberweb. It's a uh, well-known fact that the historic avant-garde of the 20th century, which Uberweb features, was heavily male. And it's true that very few women are represented on Uberweb, say, in the first half of the 20th century. But once we hit the 60s, things explode. And the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, this decade is absolutely packed. Probably more women are featured during those decades than are men. So we'd like to highlight some of the great works that are featured during those decades here on the second part of the Women of Uberweb podcast. Listen, what do you hear? Is it dead air? It is! This is a uh, piece by Alison Knowles, the Fluxus artist, and it is a uh, documentation of a live performance where almost nothing sound-oriented happens. It's called a Nivea Cream piece for Oscar Emmett Williams from 1962. And let me describe what's happening here, because you're not going to hear anything. First, a performer comes on stage with a bottle of hand cream labeled Nivea Cream, and he pours the cream into his or her hands, depending on if it's a male or female. And then a, uh, another performer enters, and they do the same thing. And then they join together in front of the microphone, and they massage their hands very quietly. They leave in the reverse order that they entered, and that piece is finished. This piece premiered in 1962 at a Fluxus festival. Alison Knowles was one of the few women working in the Fluxus movement, and uh, she did these great pieces. And the idea about Fluxus was that everyday actions, the activity of putting hand cream on your hand, if framed and recorded properly, could become a sound work or could become an artwork. It was the ultimate breakdown between life and art. We've heard this before, but to put it into this context of the women of Uberweb changes the meaning. This is Louise Lawler, a piece from 1972 called Bird Calls. It's very interesting because she says that in the early 70s, she would walk home late at night and the city wasn't safe the way it is today. And Louise Lawler said that one way to feel safe was to pretend that you're crazy or at least to be really loud. So coming home from bars at night, her and her women friends would start making these strange noises that became bird calls of the names of male artists. They were just screeching and squawking on their way home to sound as crazy as they could. This developed into a series of bird calls on artists' names. 
Originally, there were 28 contemporary male artists when she did this piece, from、uh, Vito Acconci to Lawrence Wiener, all the minimalists. But later, she redid the piece in the、uh, early 80s as the art world was returning to a sort of male driven art world. She added a bunch of、uh, neo expressionist painters, including Julian Schnabel, Anselm Kiefer, and Francesco Clementi. It's an ever changing work in progress. Bird Calls by Louise Lawler. Okay, folks, did I make my point? Did you listen? Did you hear? Did you perceive? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Wasn't that something, folks? The way that the words. Joined together in that strange stream of unconsciousness. This is work by the downtown New York performer named Shelley Hirsch. Born in 1952, she arrived in Lower Manhattan and quickly became a staple on the improvisational music scene, performing with people like Elliot Sharp and John Zorn, Ikwe Mori, among others. What happened was her improvisation work developed a very theatrical bent.、Mom. She began developing complex narratives. And the thing about Shelley、Mom. is that she's got this vast range, both technically and emotionally. So they develop into these enormous narratives of storytelling, things that have to do with her life growing up in Brooklyn.、Mom. She stages performances. She does installations, radio plays all over the world of these kind of incredible. Array of characters. What we're listening to here is from a video piece called Hank Linart, an untitled excerpt from the soundtrack of that video that appeared on the Telus compilation from 1987 entitled Video Arts Music. From 1995, a piece by the visual artist Lauren Lesko. It's entitled "Thirst," and it is the sound of、uh, her vagina. Did a performance where she inserted a contact mic in her vagina, and made a seven or eight minute recording of it, and then looped it into a twenty-one minute piece. In her visual work, Lauren Lesko often used the body as a site for artworks, and that, of course, extended to some sound works. There's a great tradition of women using sound and. A great tradition of the body as being a sound source for artworks,、uh, works of sound art, works of sound poetry. 
like Henri Chopin, who swallowed microphones, Christophe Migoni, who actually does uh, recordings cracking his knuckles or people passing gas. This is in that tradition. Lesko, through this piece, has become a rather legendary figure. Nobody knows where she is. She's vanished from the art world. I've tried to contact her many times to find out more about this piece, but she cannot be reached. Rumor has it she's off in India. The next cut we're going to hear is a uh, piece by the Iranian poet, Faro Faraksad. Born 1935, died tragically when she was 32 in a car accident in 1967. <laughs> خیره شد در دود یک سیگار خیره شد در شکل یک فنجان در گلی بیرنگ بر قالی در خطی موهوم بر دیوار An extremely small number of Iranian women have achieved anything in Iran outside of the home without dependence upon a relationship or male patronage and she might be among the best known perhaps the most famous woman in the history of Persian literature. She was born in Tehran into a middle-class family and uh, went through a failed marriage, had a kid, and decided to pursue the poet's life as an independent woman in Iran in the mid-50s. She wrote these wildly unconventional poems against uh, the culture in Iran. Uh, She wrote about the plight of women in Iran And she wrote a lot of poems about her own situation as a wife and a mother, no longer able to live that sort of conventional life. She, of course, attracted a lot of attention and a lot of uh, disapproval. Finally, moving to Europe, where she was able to work a little bit more freely. The piece we're listening to now is called Clockwork Doll. It's a meditation on feminism in this male-dominated Iranian culture. And this comes to us as a collaboration with Badoon magazine, which is a magazine that focuses on Middle Eastern art. In it, she portrays a woman as a doll, who can do nothing but sit there and stare out the window. As the narrative of the poem moves, the doll begins to move and she begins to pull back the curtains and she actually begins to free herself and and feel love and become a sexualized object. There's several selections from Farkasad on UbuWeb, all of them beautiful and worth listening to. Uh, Her films are also featured on UbuWeb at uh, UbuWeb Films. of Pauline Oliveras, the godmother of new music. Pauline was born in Houston, Texas in 1932, and uh, she's 78 years old now. 
She was nearly 50 years old before her first record was finally released in 1981 after having been a very active electronic music composer. She was a founding member of the San Francisco Tape Music Center in the 1960s. She taught music at Mills College, UCLA, UCSD, and uh, now, of course, runs the great deep listening and sonic awareness retreats. What we're listening to now is called Pathways to Grandmothers, parts one and two, and it's Pauline on a uh, very typical and beautiful uh, solo accordion. It runs about an hour and 20 minutes long. And it was broadcast on KPFK and an artist's radio show called Close Radio, broadcast in 1978. Pauline's stature as an artist, as an inspiration to both men and women, cannot be overstated. She's truly a uh, hero and is well represented on Uberweb, both in sound and in film. And what would the women of Ubaweb be without Yoko Ono, whose face adorns every single page of Ubaweb sound? She's a hero to us and a hero to so many. That's enough for me. And this is a great piece. It's called Let's Go on Flying, recorded in 1968, November, in a hospital. Queen Charlotte's Maternity Hospital, in fact, in London. At the time, Yoko was five months pregnant and was rushed to the hospital for emergency blood transfusions. And uh, sadly, she ended up miscarrying the baby a few days later. But during the stay, John Lennon brought a tape recorder and they began doing a number of improvised sound pieces and poetry pieces, uh, recorded much of what would be the LP's unfinished music and Life with the Lions. Wrinkled souls piled up like grapefruits. And this comes as a flexi-disc as part of Aspen 7, the British issue, released in summer of 1970. Hey, Joe, where you going with that gun in your hand? Hey, Joe, I said, where you going with that gun in your hand? From a uh, beautiful selection of audio works recorded between 1994 and 1997, we're listening to the visual artist Kristen Oppenheim. Hey, hey, Joe. And for that brief window of time, she did these beautiful sound installations. Hey. So this is called Hey, Joe from 1996, of course, taking the uh, riff from the Jimi Hendrix song, repeated over and over again. Hey, Joe, I said, where you going with that gun in your hand? Other tracks that are available on Uberweb include bits of the Beach Boys, bits of Tammy Wynette, and uh, bits of blues songs that are just repeated this way over and over. 
For her gallery installations during this period, Oppenheim would empty the gallery completely of anything other than speakers buried in the wall, with her voice repeating these pop song phrases over and over again. Hey, Joe, I said, where you going with that gun in your hand? Hey, hey, Joe. Hey, hey, Joe. I said. Thank you very, Thank you very, very, much. very much. I'm a very... I'm a fortunate, very fortunate, fortunate, man. fortunate man. God, God has, has given, given me a lot. lot. God has given Whatever me a lot. This is called Common Prayer by the sound artist Jane Philbrick, recorded uh, between 2000 and 2001. The reason I'm such a fortunate man is that I have people that love me. Is that I have people that love me. And they care for me. And I love them. And I love them. And they care for me. And I care for them. And I care for them. And I care for them. Care for them. Care for them. You're not going to believe where the text from this came from. In fact, it's from the first 30 seconds of Rudolph Giuliani's Senate campaign withdrawal speech from the 2000 Senate campaign against Hillary Clinton, where he withdrew because of prostate cancer. And you're not going to believe who it was spoken by. It was spoken by 12 clergymen. Thank you very, very much. I'm a very fortunate man. I'm a very fortunate man. Using the sort of religious overtones, exploiting the religious overtones of the entire right-wing tenure of Rudolf Giuliani to voice his ultimate failure for the Senate campaign. Philbrick has made this beautifully compelling piece that sounds like a prayer, that sounds like a chant, and is really nothing more than uh, an embarrassing uh, admittal of failure on the part of Rudolf Giuliani. The reason I'm such a fortunate man is that I have people and I love that them. love me, and, I love them. and they care and for me, I love them. And, and, I care and they care for me, and I care for, and them. I care for them. This is the music of the New York composer Marina Rosenfeld, a piece that she did at the Tate Modern in London from 2005 entitled The Emotional Orchestra. It was part of a women's sound festival entitled Her Noise. Marina is an artist who creates and directs and participates in a variety of experimental orchestras, often using untrained musicians, mostly women, to practice and highlight social interaction inherent to music making. For example, in 1994, she did a great piece called the Sheer Frost Orchestra, where 17 women used nail polish bottles to play electric guitars, like slide guitars, recalling early punk bands like The Slits. For this piece, it was uh, a group of female participants that bowed a variety of string instruments. And Rosenfeld directed the orchestra with huge pieces of graphical notation and animation on screens. (laughs) 
Extracts from the Making of Americans. Repeating then is in everyone, in everyone their being and their feeling and their way of realizing everything and everyone comes out of them in repeating. More and more then everyone comes to be clear to someone. Slowly everyone in continuous repeating to their minutest variation comes to be clearer to someone. Recorded in the winter of 1934-1935 here in New York, we're listening to Gertrude Stein with an excerpt from her great book, The Making of Americans, that was written between the years of 1903 and 1911. More and more than it is wonderful in living, the subtle variations coming clear into ordered recognition. The book begins as a portrait of a family, and a very intense portrait of a family. As the book progresses on, it goes to include friends and relatives of that family. And as it moves on, it begins to grow and grow and grow when it becomes, as Gertrude Stein said, it becomes a portrait of everyone living in the world during that period. Very many are remembering this thing, are remembering that family living can go on existing. Gertrude Stein famously has gone on record saying once she realized she was capable of documenting every single person on earth in this book, she knew it was time to stop. Any family living going on existing is going on, and everyone can come to be a dead one, and they are then not any more living in that family living, and that family is not then existing, if they are not then any more having come to be living. Any family living is existing if there are some more being living when very many have come to be dead ones. No, Herr Schmidt, I will not shit in your mouth even if I do get to know you. I just want to smell the gas pass from your ass. Recorded in 1986 for a compilation called The Uproar Tapes, which is available on UberWeb. This, of course, is Karen Finlay in the midst of the culture wars. And then he took that tool and he put it up the wrong alley and took it out all brown and steamy and shiny. Ooh, it was all brown. Ooh, ooh, taking it inside of me and he put it in the right hole. Ooh, you call that passion? You call that romance? You don't know what it's like for a woman to get cystitis. Karen Finley emerges. She took all the controversy surrounding it and uh, came up with these incredibly stunning drop-dead audio works. That right tunnel of love, and I mean I'm a 300-pound hussy. In this piece, she assumes the terrifying character of a male Sodomist. Not like some anorexic ostrich like you, baby. Ooh, bulimia, mama. Bulimia, mama. Get your terms right. I don't care what you call it. It's damn unnatural of you. Up chucking all over the house in your stiletto heels. Unlike anything that we've heard in these two podcasts, it's hair-raising stuff. And it's from the uh, great uproar tapes, as I said. This documents the East Village scene in the mid-'80s. includes Karen Finley, Eric Bogosian, Anne Magnuson, and Richard Price as well. Let's see if the boys remember. She'll be coming round the mountain. From uh, the year 2000, this is the British artist People Like Us, also known as Vicki Bennett, from a uh, deconstruction of old cowboy records called A Fistful of Knuckles. The track is entitled She'll Be. She'll be coming when she comes. When she comes. 
She'll be coming when she comes. Thank you. She'll be coming, she'll be coming, she'll be coming when she comes. Vicky is taking the entire male-dominated genre of cowboy music and cowboy mythos and turning it completely on its head. She'll be playing on her squeeze box. She'll be squeezing on her thumb. And she'll be coming on her squeeze box when she comes. Well, you pretty ladies, sure dance as good as you sing. She'll be coming when she comes. She'll be coming when she comes. She'll be coming, she'll be coming, she'll be coming when she comes. And that concludes the second part of the women of Ubuweb. All of these women and many, many more can be found at ubu.com. This is Avant-Garde All the Time, produced by the Poetry Foundation. I'm Kenneth Goldsmith, and we'll see you next time. (laughs) 